0: Sound Words. Christian Magazine. Republished by Irving Risch. Host of Down to Earth but Heavenly-Minded Podcast. Fifth Article. An Outline of the Epistle to the Ephesians. The Substances of Bible Readings Held at Thropton with W.M.C. Read. Ephesians Chapter 1. This precious epistle opens out for us the highest Christian blessings and privileges. Unfolding the relationships into which the blessed God has brought us with himself, and our associations in nearness to the Lord Jesus Christ. All that God has given to us in the riches of his grace is in Christ, and is the fruit of his counsels of sovereign love, which have been secured by the death of Jesus. Having stated his apostleship, his authority for writing to them, Paul addresses the brethren at Ephesus as the saints and faithful in Christ Jesus. They were saints by the calling of God, and faithful as answering to the divine call. Because of their unfaithfulness, the Galatians and Corinthians could not be so addressed. With the invocation of grace and peace, the Christian revelation is stated, as in all the epistles bearing Paul's name, that God is Father, and Jesus Christ is Lord. Breaking forth in praise by the Spirit, Paul speaks of the double relationship of the Lord Jesus to God the Father, as man he is related to God, and as son he is in relationship with the Father. According to this double relationship, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Israel's blessings were earthly, material and temporal, in association with an earthly Messiah, ours are heavenly, spiritual, and eternal, in association with the heavenly Christ. Our calling, being heavenly, belongs to a system of divine love and glory existing, in God's councils, before the foundation of the world, and the God of our Lord Jesus Christ chose us in him, that we might live in the knowledge and joy of his love before his face. For this we must be like God himself, holy and blameless, and this could only be our portion in Christ, as the fruit of God's own work. Moreover, the Father desired that our enjoyment of his love might be in a relationship of nearness and intimacy, so he marked us out beforehand to share his Son's place in the consciousness of that same relationship. Sonship, the nearest possible relationship to God, the highest Christian blessing, is ours, through and along with God's blessed Son, not by our seeking or choosing, but by God's eternal counsels according to the good pleasure of His will. Not on account of anything that we are naturally, have we been brought so near to God and the Father, into the most wonderful blessings, which far surpass the loftiest thoughts or imagination of man. All originated in the heart and mind of God, and comes from Him in infinite love and kindness, for the satisfaction and delight of His heart. Indeed, these blessings come to us in spite of what we are, being entirely the fruit of God's counsels, in which the glory of his grace is praised by the display of infinite kindness. This grace also introduces us into God's favour in its fullness and perfection, as seen in Christ his beloved. We learn what that place is as we see what Christ is to God, and as we realise that his place is ours, for we are there in association with him. In all that we have considered, God has been manifesting his own thoughts, not in reference to what we are down here as derived from Adam. Not as looking upon our natural state in the flesh or our character as poor failing mortals, he has been telling us of his counsels of love that existed before we had any being. Now we are to see that God has also taken account of our ruin and guilt, and has met our deep poverty in the riches of his grace. And it is in the Beloved, in whom we have been taken into God's favor, that we have redemption, through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. All the efficacy of the great work wrought out on the cross abides in the person of the Christ, who did the work, where He now is at the right hand of God. Is it not wonderful to think that the same grace which forgave us our sins has abounded to us in enlightening us with the knowledge of the mystery of His will? What a God is our God! He desires that we might know His great thoughts for the glory of His Son. What wisdom and intelligence God has manifested in making such communications. He raises us from the lowest pit to take us into the most precious secrets of his great heart of love. Such a course would not be considered wise or intelligent by the mighty men of the world, but God's thoughts are altogether different from man's. And human wisdom and intelligence are foolishness when viewed in the light of what is divine. And what a mystery it is. To gratify his heart of love, to give himself pleasure, God has purposed to set Christ, his own dear Son, as the head and centre of a universe filled with glory and blessing. This was in the mind of God long before Adam was put into Eden, God purposed it in himself, and nothing that has happened or will yet take place, during the ages of time, will frustrate or in the least possible degree hinder the accomplishment of the purpose of God. Throughout the past ages, from the days of Adam, man has been displaying himself in all the iniquity, rebellion, corruption, and falsehood of his fallen nature, and is influenced by the powers of darkness. But in the coming ages God is going to display what he is in Christ, in all the moral beauties and perfections of his holy nature. And in all the grace and love of his heart of infinite love. To this end God has enthroned his dear Son, according to his counsels, that as head, he might fill every sphere of authority and government in the wide universe, to direct, control, energize and sustain the whole scene, for the glory of the Father, and for the blessing of every family named by the Father in that day. But the glory of God is not to be praised in his Son alone, according to the same purpose that has set Christ as man in his exalted and glorious position, we have obtained as associated with Christ. As blessed in him an inheritance. This is no afterthought with God, he marked us out beforehand for this portion, and as regards the present moment, he works all things after the counsel of his own will. Nothing in the present course of things can turn God from his purpose, rather, he makes everything subserve his purpose. The counsels of gods will effectuate the purpose of God, even the giving up of Jesus was by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Israel's rejection of their Messiah is turned to account by God in the great wisdom displayed in his counsels, for now he secures a believing remnant from Israel, which trusts in Christ before the nation turns to him in repentance. And this remnant has part with Christ in his heavenly glory in the coming day, and is for the praise of God's glory. But this company, sharing Christ's heavenly glory, is not only from Israel, it embraces the Gentiles who now believe the gospel sent from God. This is the gospel of our salvation, which presents God to us in all the grace of his heart, which tells of the cleansing efficacy of the blood of Jesus, and of the righteousness in which we are before God through the death and resurrection of his Son. Having believed the gospel, God has claimed us for himself by sealing us with his Holy Spirit. As in the type of the cleansing of the leper, the blood was first put upon the ear, then the oil was put upon the place of the blood, Leviticus chapter 14 verse 28. The same Spirit that claims us for God, and thus marks us for obtaining part with Christ in the coming inheritance, is the one by whom we are given to anticipate the joys and blessedness of our future portion, for he is the earnest of the inheritance. Already acquired by the death of the Lord Jesus, the inheritance will, at his coming, be redeemed by his divine power. At that day, those from among the Gentiles, who have now trusted in Christ by the gospel, will be for the praise of the glory of God along with the pre trusting remnant of Israel. How surpassing wonderful that God's glory is going to be praised in men. A marvellous vessel, God's own workmanship in new creation, composed of those who once were sinners far from him, called from among Jew and Gentile, will shine forth in all the living glory of God. A glory that will be praised in the whole vast creation. Surely in the presence of such grace, that has given us part in this glory, our hearts bow in wonder and worship after revealing the purpose and counsels of God. Which bring to us the good pleasure of God's will, the mystery of his will, and the counsel of his will, in which Christ's preeminent place is secured. As also the blessing of those brought into association with Christ, the Apostle prays for the saints. He desires that the saints of God should enter into the knowledge of what God has so graciously made known to them. With confidence, he can thus pray for them, because their lives had manifested the fundamental marks of the Christian faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love to all the saints. Alas! only too often had he to write to the saints about different forms of evil, which God allowed to come out, that we might have in the inspired page his mind regarding them. But here the saints have a testimony regarding their walk which the apostle can speak of with pleasure, and God enables him to unfold to them the deep secrets of his heart. The prayer in this chapter is addressed to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, while that in Ephesians chapter 3 is to the Father, these answering to the double relationship, already noticed in which the Lord Jesus stands to God as man and to the Father as Son. The former relates to objective matters, the latter being mainly subjective. All the glory of which we have read, the glory that already shines in the face of Jesus, and which shall be displayed in him and in those associated with him, has its origin in the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. All proceeds from God and all shall return to God, even as we see all the glory emanating here from the Father of glory, and returning to God the Father at the close of Ephesians chapter 3, where we read, to him be glory in the assembly in Christ Jesus unto all generations of the age of ages. Paul first desires that the Father of glory would give the saints the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. This belongs to the spiritual state necessary for the reception of the divine communications vouchsafed. It is altogether impossible to apprehend the wisdom and intelligence in which God has abounded to us in the revelation of the mystery of his will apart from having this spirit of wisdom. Nor can we truly enter into the blessed revelation that God has made of himself in his wonderful purpose unless we have the spirit of revelation. This spirit is surely the spiritual affinity, produced within us through communion with God in regard to the communications he has made. We are often content to go on in a low spiritual state in which we cannot enter into God's highest thoughts for us, and the precious things pertaining to the full knowledge of God lie unexplored and unknown. Our knowledge of God largely depends on the character of our communion with him. Most pray to God for their needs, and about their troubles, others will also pray for the prosperity of the gospel, and it may be for the whole field of God's interests in the world. But how few comparatively go to God to speak with Him about His purpose and the glory of His Son. It is this last that will give us from God the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of Him. Depend upon it, if we are absorbed with present things, even if it be with things that are right in themselves, we are not likely to be much concerned with God's purpose and the great wealth of blessing which is ours because of it. It is not that we may not know the terms of the full knowledge of God as revealed in these preceding verses. The eyes of our hearts being enlightened would indicate that it is necessary to have the light of them in terms asterisk before there can be the true knowledge in the heart. Two things are therefore essential for knowing these things. First, the spiritual state to apprehend the truth. Second, the light brought before us through ministry from God. Asterisk in having the true spiritual state, the eyes of the heart become enlightened with the truth, which consequently brings the divine knowledge into the heart. Now we have the three objective matters that God would have us know, the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in his saints, the exceeding greatness of his power towards the believer. God's calling, as made known thus far in the earlier part of the chapter has in mind the blessed relationship and position of sonship into which we have been brought. The hope of the calling is what actually awaits us in the coming day, when we enter into the fullness of the blessing prepared for us before the Father's face along with his dear Son. We are also to know the riches of the glory of God's inheritance in the saints. Even as of old Jehovah took possession of Canaan in Israel, so will he possess the universe in the coming day in those he has set apart for himself, the saints of the present dispensation. Many an earthly inheritance is glorious to look upon, but it is poor as having low fertility and little mineral wealth. Others may be rich in minerals, but far from glorious to the sight. God's inheritance to Israel was both glorious and rich, as is learned from Deuteronomy chapter three, verse twenty-five, Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse seven to nine, and other scriptures. So also the vast heavenly inheritance of the coming day, yea, the universal inheritance of which Christ is heir, and which God is going to take up in Christ's co-heirs. Its glories and its riches far surpass all that we can conceive, for even at best, we see through a glass obscurely now. The language of 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 and 10 might well be taken up regarding the nature of this inheritance. Not to angels has God given this high honour, but to those who were poor sinners, cleansed and fitted in His grace and by the working of His divine power for His eternal glory and pleasure. Moreover we are to know the exceeding greatness of God's power towards us, power that has been displayed in taking Christ from death and setting him down in the highest place in heaven. This is the power that is going to accomplish all that lies in God's purpose, the power that will bring those God has marked out for blessing into the place he has given them along with Christ. How strange it might seem to find the man of God's purpose lying in death, the one who is to fill the universe as head with the glory of God but he was there for the glory of God, laying the basis in redemption for the bringing to pass of all that was in God's will, and it is from this point that God intervenes. He intervenes with a mighty display of his great power in the resurrection of Christ, in taking him from the very lowest point, the point of man's greatest weakness, and exalting him to the very pinnacle of the universe. This one mighty movement of God's power sets Christ above every sphere of earthly and heavenly government, and above every name of renown, both of the present age and the coming age of glory. And this power is about to bring us into the fullness of blessing within the Father's house, and into the inheritance to which we have been called. Exalted and glorified, Christ has had all things put under his feet, and the Church has been united to Christ to share his exalted place. Even as Adam was head over the lower creation, and as Eve was united to him, so Christ has the Church united to him, to share his place as head over all the things in heaven and on earth. But the Church as Christ's body is part of himself, united to him by the Holy Spirit, in view of the day of the display of his glory. When Christ fills all in all, the Church, his fullness, is the living and glorious vessel in which the mind and will of the head is expressed to the vast universe that he fills what a day will that be for God, when he possesses the inheritance in his saints, and Christ fills the universe in his body.